Hi, I'm Daniel Foley from the Abundant Life Training Center, and welcome to our daily communion meditation, where today we're talking about the game plan. So lately, we've been talking a lot about planning. I feel like God has been talking to us in our program, The Abundant Life Blueprint, about setting some better plans and targets in place. We've also talked about recently winning at the game of life. Winning at the game of life, just a phrase I felt like God was bringing up to me lately. And we've been really talking a lot about how do we build community? And getting plans and systems in place. We've talked about the difference between plotting and planning, about how plotting is, is laying out the course, the path that we're trying to take. But planning takes an accounting for everything that's needed. And I think as we get this accounting, we, we count the cost, we see everything that's going to be needed, all the provisions that are going to be needed to get to the destination, to win at the game of life. We have to have a game plan. And I used to coach college baseball. I used to play and coach college baseball. And going into the game, we, we, we'd look at the scouting reports of who we're playing. We take into consideration who our players are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and who the opponent is. What are their tendencies? What are the things that they like to do? And taking all those into consideration, then we're going to develop the game plan. How are we going to attack these hitters? How are we going to pitch to these hitters? Where are we going to position our defenders when we're out in the field? I was just talking to somebody recently who used to be a basketball coach. And he was talking about, for example, they would look at the tendencies of the, the players on the court. You know, if this player always likes to drive to his right side, then we would try to force him to go to his left. Don't let him do that. We try to force him to go the other direction. And you develop this game plan. And so today we're going to be taking communion over this. Asking God to help us to develop the game plan so that we win at the game of life. What's the game plan for winning at the game of life? Just a couple of days ago, on our partner's Zoom, we were finishing up for our Zoom for the night and had one of our partners just close out the, the time with prayer. And he actually asked God for this. God, would you give us the game plan? And I had just been thinking about it right, right before that, right before we got on Zoom that night. I was thinking about this. I felt like I was bringing up this idea of the game plan. So we're asking him for it, taking communion over this, over this today. But why are we taking communion every day? About 10 years ago, I had pretty much no spiritual life whatsoever. Was doing life on my own without God, doing things my own way. But life wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Had a lot of stress and pressure, the weight of everything sitting on me. At the time, I was running my personal training business. And the business started out great, but I got into some tough times. Got staff turnover issues, cash flow issues. I've got some months where I'm losing thousands of dollars in a month. I remember getting to this place of going for a walk with my wife. Telling her over and over, there's got to be a better way to live. There's got to be more to life than this. And shortly after that, I came across this challenge to start reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs every day. Proverbs has 31 chapters. So on day one of the month, you read Proverbs chapter one. Day two of the month, you read Proverbs chapter two. And then you keep going like that until the end of the month. And then you start back over again. Well, I've been doing this for a little while. And one day, Proverbs 13, 22 just seemed to jump off the page at me. It says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And that verse got me thinking, what's the most valuable thing we could pass on to future generations? Well, Proverbs tells us that wisdom, understanding, knowledge, those are the key things. So I made a commitment. I want to pass on manuals and lessons and teaching for all the different areas of life, areas like purpose and health and family, finances, the game plan for life, for winning at the game of life. But really, when I got started, I had no clue where to start. 
So I began to seek after God, I began to totally immerse myself in the Bible and the things of God. My relationship with him began to grow. He began to show up, began to teach me, began to train me. And he taught me this whole new way of living, this completely different, op- different way to operate my life. Where we make him the source, we make him the center of it. We learn how to rest and we learn how to trust in him. But that wasn't always easy all the time because that meant I had to unlearn a lot of my old ways. Had to let go of some old ways and to learn to operate my life in a new way. So there's some struggles as you make that transition. You're learning how to how to walk this out. I just began to document what he was taking me through, the things that he was teaching me. And it turned into this series of books and courses and now partners that we have called the Abundant Life Blueprint. But out of everything we do in the Abundant Life Blueprint, part of this operating system we have for life now is that communion is what I call the number one table turner for all of life has the ability to simply turning, turn things around, create a turning point in our life and change the trajectory of our lives going forward. Jesus says, as often as you do this, remember me. It's an opportunity to remember his sacrifice and all that he did for us. And there's something so powerful about remembering and not forgetting. It helps us just to keep him in the center. It helps us to abide in him so that our lives produce much fruit. The Apostle Paul says every time we take communion, we're proclaiming the death of Jesus, which in the case of a will or an inheritance, nothing happens until you prove the death. So in a way, communion is like an activation of all the benefits that are found in the new covenant. But it's also important we take it the right way. Every time we take communion, you take it with the fear of the Lord, with deep awe and honor and reverence for the sacrifice of Jesus and all that he went through for us. But I think it's also important we remember what his sacrifice means for us, how he connects us back to God, gives us this covenant relationship with God. So the process we typically use, we start with about a two minute long prayer that's mostly scripture coming from Ephesians chapter one and the prayer of Jabez found in first Chronicles chapter four. And then we take a few minutes to examine ourselves because the apostle Paul says some people are weak and sick and they die early because they don't examine themselves before taking communion. And if communion has the power to do that in the negative, I believe it has the power to make us healthy and strong and give us long life if we take it the right way. And then after our time of communion, we're talking about some physical workout tips and advice, because I truly believe physical exercise is meant to teach us how to exercise our faith. So let's get started with our prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are watching or listening, their families, all those connected to them and our church and governmental leaders. I thank you for releasing us from darkness and transferring us into the light, into the kingdom of your dear son. I thank you for your purpose and grace given to us in Christ Jesus before time ever began. I thank you that Jesus was smitten for us, that you could fight for us. And I keep asking that you, the father of glory, would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. That the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to know the hope to which you've called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance that is in us, and the immeasurable greatness of your power to us who believe, the same power that you exercised in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you put all things under his feet and made him to be the head of the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
And Father, I ask you to bless us, to make your face shine upon us and let us find grace and favor in your eyes. Expand our borders and our territory. Expand our capacity to receive your purpose and grace, your love and your goodness, and to let it flow through us so that we do good and are a blessing to people all over the world. Send us opportunities to do good and be a blessing today and help us be sensitive to those opportunities. Keep your hands on us and help us do today what's right and best in your eyes and do it with peace and joy and confidence in you. And we ask you to stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and keep us from evil and pain. Through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We're going to go through the other half of prayer. This is our time to examine ourselves. Are we making today a masterpiece? Are we making today a masterpiece? Because when it all comes down to it, it's always called today. We've got to bring our relationship with God down into today and become masters of walking out today. And masters of anything are simply masters of the fundamentals. And that's what we talk about, executing these four fundamentals. We're bringing some fun and some presence into them today. But before we go through our fundamentals, let's remember God's got a process. When he took the people from Egypt to the promised land, there was a process. There were steps and stages along the way. And in a similar way, for us to step into the inheritance and the promises that God has for us in Christ, I think there's a process. There's steps and stages along the way to walk in the fullness of this. And very simply, I think it starts with believing God's got something better for our life. Better than we can ever ask or think or dream or imagine. Receiving that salvation that's found in Christ and then making him our Lord. Making him the boss. Where you say, you know, I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to learn to put off my old ways. I'm going to embrace this new way of living. To follow after you. To do things your way. To learn how to rest and to trust in you. To allow your beautiful plan for, for, your, for my life to unfold in your perfect timing. And we walk it out. And we walk it out today. Which leads us to our four fundamentals. Every day, we got to keep repositioning ourselves back into the light. Every day, as time moves forward another day, time and space are connected. So when time moves forward, that means you got to keep repositioning again. Got to keep repositioning back into the light every day. I think it starts with humility. Humbling ourselves in relationship to God. Humbling ourselves in relationship to other people. Because it's the humble who are given grace. It's the humble who are exalted and promoted. And we're going to take our position in forgiveness today. Receiving forgiveness from God, forgiving ourselves in the middle, which we often forget, and walking in forgiveness with other people. And to walk in the light is to walk in love, kind and patient and gentle, always assuming the best, keeping no record of wrongs, delighting in the truth, always hoping, always trusting, always persevering, because love never fails. And we're going to take our position in gratitude and praise today. One of the greatest expressions of faith, and it's one of the easiest ways to maintain our positioning all day long. And being in position is a big deal because it puts us in position to be able to receive everything that God has for us. And when we step into the light, we're stepping into Christ. And in Christ, there's these rivers of living water. I like to call it this pipeline of living water. We have access to everything God has, his spirit and power and presence, his love and peace and joy. His mind and wisdom, there's purpose and grace, health and energy, fellowship with God, fellowship with people, time, finances, resources, it's all available. And I believe it's received 
spiritually. But then we got to get this pipeline of living water flowing through us out into the world where we see the fruit or the result of it in our life. So our first step, I believe, is to get in position. Our second step is to magnify the light. We're going to turn up the brightness of this light, and it's going to expand the capacity of that pipeline where God can flow more of all those good things through us. It's also going to get this new covenant rooted and established in our hearts where we become more fixed and consistent in it. And to magnify the light, we've talked about the example of two baskets on a balancing scale. On one side, you got a basket of all the issues and problems and testings that you face. On the other side, we got a basket full of our praises to God, praising him for who he is and all that he's done in our life. And to magnify the light, which basket are we going to fill up with our focus, our attention, our thoughts, our words, our meditation? To magnify the light, we're going to fill up that basket of praise. Praising God for who he is. Who is he? You can go through the names of God. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's good. His love endures forever. He's faithful and true and just. He's our righteousness. He's our peace, our joy. He's the one who sanctifies us. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the resurrection. He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He's our comforter. Holy Spirit's the comforter and the counselor. We can go through the names. Then we can praise him for all that he's done for us in Christ. He sent us his one and only son. He poured the cup of his wrath onto his body. He raised him up from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. And he seated us there with him. He raised us up and seated us there with him, made us one with him. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his blessing and his favor. We just start going through all that he's done for us in Christ. And then you can go through, what has he done for you personally? breakthroughs and answers to prayer that you've seen happen in your life personally and to start praising him for those things consistently and it's important i think to go back and keep remembering all that he's done and then you can praise him for things that you've turned over to him in prayer but you haven't seen the actual answer yet but you know it's done because you've turned it over to him start praising him for those things consistently now to magnify the light this is not denying that there's issues and problems there's another basket there we're just simply not going to choose to fill that basket up with our focus and attention. We're going to fill up that other basket because we trust that God can solve those problems a whole lot better than we can. But he does give us a choice. We could choose not to do any of this. We can do things our own way. Stay stuck in our own ways rather than doing things God's way. And we can fill up that other basket with venting and complaining and pouting, toiling away in our mind, trying to solve all those problems ourselves. And that's where we have to learn to recognize the symptoms. Because when we're out of position or magnifying the wrong things, it's going to produce some symptoms in our life. And the biggest thing I've learned to pay attention to is where's the pressure? Am I putting pressure on other people? Am I putting all the pressure on myself? Or is the pressure on God? Because when I put the pressure on other people, or I put the pressure on myself to make everything happen, I squeeze God out. And when I put the pressure on God, it squeezes everything that he's got through us. Where's the pressure? One of the biggest things to pay attention to. When you feel that weight and heaviness and pressure sitting on you, that's a clue. You're not giving yourself grace. You're not learning to rest and trust in his grace. There's going to be that heaviness and weight and pressure. It's also going to produce some emotions, fear and stress and worry, dreading things in the future, envisioning worst case scenarios, reliving bad things from the past. And unfortunately, this can become a habit. But we stay positioned in this consistently. 
But when we take our position in the light, there is rest in our soul because the pressure is on him. We're resting. And when we rest, he goes to work. And now all those good things, that pipeline of living water just begins to flow through us. And everything is free and easy and effortless and energizing. And all those good things begin to flow. And now all of a sudden, we've got hope in any and every situation because we've got God with us. And if all this weren't enough, God gives us this amazing gift of grace. We could be totally off track, but turn it around and get back in position pretty much instantly. I think it starts with just getting more present, changing our focus and saying, you know what? I'm off track right now. Father, forgive me. We receive that forgiveness from him. We forgive ourselves. We walk in forgiveness with other people, reconcile with other people, and just start praising and magnifying him. And I like to pray this very simple prayer. Father, thank you that what you put within me is more than enough to handle whatever is coming at me today in a beautiful, graceful way. Help me to tap into it and see it flowing in my life at a greater level today. You go through that simple process, that weight just lifts off you. The pressure comes off and everything begins to flow again. And then our third fundamental, we've got to stay tuned in today. Every day, God's trying to teach us and train us. He's That living water is beginning to flow and he's trying to navigate it. He's trying to navigate it where he wants it to go. But we've got to stay tuned into him. One of the biggest keys to that, I believe, is staying in rhythm with God. In the Old Testament, the temple had a rhythm. There were things that needed to be done every morning and evening, every week on the Sabbath, every the start of every month, and on the cycle of feasts, on the yearly cycle. Well, our bodies are God's temple now. And staying in rhythm, staying in step with him, and I believe, is one of the biggest keys to staying tuned into him. And my favorite way to do that is with a journal before bed. I like to start at the very top with what I call some filters. These filters are just short phrases, little reminders to keep things top of mind. I like to start with the big picture vision. Where do I feel like God's taken me in my life? For me personally, that's abundant life training centers all over the world, making the body of Christ healthy and beautiful. And then I want to bring it down to a yearly level. What do I feel like is the vision and direction, the word God gave me for this year? For this year, 2022, it's the year of the beautiful land. Then I bring it down to a monthly level. What do I feel like God gave me as what we're supposed to be focusing on for this month? So for July of 2022, it's confidence through praise. Through praising God consistently, we grow more confident in him. And then I bring it down to another level, to the weekly level, with our weekly, yearly cycle updates. Where are we in this year? Different seasons of the year give us different reminders of God and who he is. This time of year in July, it's a reminder. God's favor is on you. It surrounds you like a shield, and it's, it's on you for a lifetime. Just little reminders to help keep us on track. Give us nudges in the right direction. And then I like to start my journal with gratitude and praise to get in position. And then to magnify. What went well today? What are all the ways I saw God showing up today? Because the more we look for them, the more of them we're going to see. And then I like to ask this question, God, what were you trying to show me today? And get still and listen and whatever comes into my mind, just begin to write those things down. And then our fourth fundamental. The final thing I like to do in my journal is to plan out the upcoming day with God. And I've learned to stick with, what do I know to do today? Because sometimes I was getting ahead of God. I'm toiling away in my mind, trying to figure things out, trying to force things to happen. I was getting ahead of him. On the other side, sometimes I was procrastinating on things that I knew to do. That river of living water begins to flow. He's going to give you things to do, things to say. But sometimes we don't take action. Those things build up on the inside of us. 
And you'll feel that pressure and kind of overwhelm building up on the inside because you got too much to do. And it can block your clarity. And so then you got to just start chipping away at that list. What do I know to do? Just clear one thing out at a time. And you're going to find that those rivers of living water just begin to flow. Your clarity is going to greatly increase. Just doing what you know to do each day. So we plan out the upcoming day with God. Then we wake up like a kid on Christmas morning and we remember this very important principle. That the first thing out of our mouth every morning sets the tone for the whole day. And as I began to learn about this, I began to seek God. What's the best thing for us to say first thing in the morning? I felt like he was taking me back to Genesis chapter 1, the very first words we see God speak. Let there be light. So that's how I start my day now. The very first words out of my mouth, let there be light. And it's amazing how just such a simple little thing brings a different energy into the day. And then we get connected with him. We start walking out that plan together with him today. Full confidence in him. He's right there with us every step of the way. And we get to that place of confident faith. His grace begins to surge. All those good things begin to flow. And he's the source of beauty. He begins to beautify our life. And beauty is attractive and magnetic and begins to pull more and more of all those good things that he has for us in Christ into our life. Let's talk about the game plan. Heavenly Father, we're asking you for the game plan today. The game plan for how we win at the game of life. And I think it's important. We've got we to gotta look at what are our strengths? What are our strengths? What's been done for us in Christ? Who has he made us to be individually? Who, what is our identity? Who are we? Do we have any weaknesses? And then we need to consider who's the opponent? What are his tendencies? We have an opponent in life. We have an enemy who's trying to stop us. What are his tendencies? He's trying to bring strife into relationships. He's trying to put pressure on you financially or in your health. He's trying to get you to think on the wrong things, to magnify the wrong things, to put those seeds of doubt in your mind, to question your identity of who you are. We need to know his tendencies. And then we're going to build this game plan for how we win at the game of life. And you also got to make provisions. How are we going to make adjustments? One of the greatest keys to winning in sports is you got to make quick adjustments. I played at a fairly high level in baseball. One of the biggest things I learned, the higher you move up, the faster you have to make adjustments. Quick adjustments. And you got to plan for those. So Heavenly Father, we're asking for your help today to give us this game plan for winning at the game of life. We just thank you that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just remember, God sent us his one and only son to die for our sins. Jesus is willing to come and humble himself unto death on a cross. He was rejected and betrayed and spit on and hit and mocked. By his stripes, we've been healed. God laid upon him the iniquities of us all. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. But then he's raised back to life. He's victorious over death. And he raises him up and seats him in heavenly places at God's right hand. And God raises us up with him. He put that same victorious power on the inside of us. Raises us up and sits us together with him in heavenly places. In Christ, we made one with him. He makes us right and holy and perfect in God's sight, all through his one sacrifice.
So Father, we thank you for this bread and ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. If you have your bread, you can take your bread. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many. It's the forgiveness of sins that releases us from darkness and transfers us into the light. Into the kingdom of Jesus. And he's a great king. He's our king and our Lord, the king of kings. The prince of peace. His blood cleanses us, makes atonement for us. Gives us this new covenant with God. This blood sworn oath that God is with us and for us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's working for our good, fighting for us. His covenant he will not break. This covenant of love and peace with him. So, Father, we thank you for this cup. And ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. If you have your juice, you can take your juice. All right. Workout stuff. We talked about you got to be able to make adjustments. We're getting the workout plans in place. And these, these plans of workouts, if you don't have the workouts, you can go to the AbundantLifeTrainingCenter.com. And we got some revisions coming to them soon. But if you get on our email list at the AbundantLifeTrainingCenter.com, you'll get access to the workouts. But you got to be able to be adaptable. If you're traveling, if you have different equipment than normal, you're working out at a different time of day, all those things introduce some variety into the workouts. You got to be able to adapt. How can you stay on track? When the environment or the circumstances around your workouts change a little bit. Do you know what to do if you're traveling? Do you know how to make substitutions if you have different equipment? Or you go to the gym and somebody else is using the equipment that you normally use? Do you know how to adapt and stay on track still? It's an important part of our fitness. But I hope this has been helpful for you today. If you'd like to learn more about partnering with us in the Abundant Life Blueprint, you can go to the AbundantLifeTrainingCenter.com.